as we uh, imagine we all know, uh, the release of the mind through non-clinging, liberation through non-clinging. So just stop that clinging. (laughs) (laughs) That should do it. But if you ever say it to a person who's uh, hanging off a rope, <laughs> you know, we cling, cling because of uh, um, uncertainty, uh, safety, need for safety, need for support, need for some kind of nourishment, something to feed on, something to feel good about, purpose, aim vitality, so on. So, there's an instinctive uh, quality to that. So some, some of our clinging may indeed be, be voluntary. We have something we can do about it. Yeah. But at a deeper level, the Buddha recognized that clinging is involuntary. It becomes you know, what we are, what we're familiar with. Uh, Cling to body. You know, this is this is the me. This is the me bit. Mm-hmm. Cling to the feelings. This is important. You know, this is hurting me. This is I'm enjoying this. So, you know, clinging is not something that is abandoned easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, one can wonder how how could it be abandoned. Yeah, so some kind of complete breakdown. <laughs> the mic's not working. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Um, so to release from clinging. Mm. And uh, it, simply speaking, what we're doing, we're building up a, a quality of presence, of a mindfulness and awareness, so that this becomes our, our center, our refuge. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't negate body, feelings, uh, perceptions, impressions, consciousness. It's something that expands over them. Uh, so we can be, we all recognize we can be aware, we can be mindful of feeling, bodily impressions, sensations, the perceptions, the moods and impressions, the subjective take on things that occurs in our mind, the way we interpret experience, sanya, perception, significance. Consciousness, the sense of seeing or hearing, you know, you notice what seeing feel is like. Seeing does this, presents a particular external world, shapes and forms. You close your eyes, it disappears. Something else arises, Mm. tactile or conceptual. Mm. And they're not not the same, are they? Looking at somebody is not the same as touching them or thinking about them. Indeed, when you think about them, you may indeed come up with a few visual images. Yeah. But just to recognize that we, we build up a mosaic out of these overlaps of, of different bases of consciousness. And uh, you know, one comes obediently into play when we need it. We see someone. You know, mostly it's the seeing visual consciousness or the um, conceptual thinking consciousness. With food, you can have taste, consciousness, olfactory, smells, fragrances, and so on. So those, and depending on the object, one of those sense bases, one of those sense consciousnesses would dominate. Mm. 
you know a flower by its fragrance rather than its feel, rather than its tactile feel. You don't even consider necessarily what a tulip feel, you know, feels like in your hands. You look at the colour, you remember the colour, you remember the fragrance. That's the tulip. You don't taste it. Uh, you look at someone, you don't, you don't necessarily are interested in what they taste like. <laughs> Just mostly look, look like. That's the thing. You have a few memories and thoughts and so on. Just so, so actually, well, because we do this so instinctively, we recognize that we're only clinging, the clinging of consciousness is just around one or two sets uh, of, of um, data. You can be mindful of and aware, fully aware of these experiences as they are. And in meditation, looking at the kind of energies of clinging. So the way out is through actually release from clinging is an energetic experience. It's not a disapproval of clinging (laughs) or trying to, you know, stop it or stop doing it, it's the release from clinging, which means you can feel, you get a sense energetically what clinging feels like, a sort of compulsive grab, uh, hold, uh, tightness, um, compulsiveness, rather like clinging is a very good word to describe it. Um, And then is it possible through expanding awareness through, first of all, touching that clinging, feeling that clinging, and just easing, easing the tension of that, easing the pressure of that, and letting the forms that clinging uh, brings into play, let them change. Now clinging actually creates all the forms that we cling to. So. You know, you, at the moment you can kind of bring up a visual impression. Uh, and then that's that person. And uh, you can, you know, so that the, the need to cling brings up the image and then, you know, stick to it. Notice this particularly is when you're trying to re- remember something and you feel this kind of fuzzy, at least I can. <laughs> groping around, trying to, what is it, what is it, what is it, and then, ah, there it is, and then, you know, the mind seizes in, ah, got it, got it. You actually feel clinging as as an energetic experience. Things are moving around vaguely, fuzzily, spacious, and then an image appears, and then this, out of the the need to cling, which is all well and good, you know, when you're trying to remember something. So it's it's the creating form is certainly, you know, part of our experience. But then when it's something you have no say over, so it becomes endemic. And uh, clinging to things that cause pain. Mm. Habits, compulsions that... Because while there's a fundamental seeking of security, uh, identity, you know, stability, most uh, fundamental thing that we that the, our instincts move towards, that which makes me feel safe and steady, a habit, even an unpleasant habit, uh, you know where you are. Uh, and then towards some kind of nourishment, something that's given me a good feeling, pleasing feeling, sense of uplift or um, warmth or relaxation, something, whatever it is. And so I move towards those. Clinging moves towards that. Now, as you meditate, you can begin to experience the sense of release 
itself is pleasing. You know, release of pressure, sense of release itself is pleasing. Calm is pleasing. Ease is pleasing. So, ah, you can get food from that. Uh, the sense of, of security or stability is established through mindfulness and is fully present, being present. And then you can let the other things can shift and change. So there's a kind of transference from um, you know, objects, thoughts, impressions and so forth towards these functions of mindfulness and full awareness that become one's basis, one's refuge. And we, this is what we're practicing. In terms of the topics of our experience, uh, it's all based in mind. Um, so that there's the uh, systems organize um, concepts which work in terms of object definition, right, wrong, long, short, uh, and so forth. It says what a thing is in accordance with some, some system or some measure, you know. So we have a rough idea of what an average size human is, and then, oh, this is a tall one, because it's over the six foot mark or whatever. This is a short one, it's under the five foot mark. So there's always you know, conceptual thing, know something by referring it to some pre-existing set of, of um, references, right, wrong, good, bad, which is handy you know, when you're operating in that, in that system. Good to know which is your left glove and your right glove. They're not all one. <laughs> and the, the, then the mind in its emotional basis works in terms of pleasure, pain and neutrality. It's effective. This is pleasing. This is pleasant. This is painful. This is neutral. That's what it receives and out of that it builds up these um, pictures or these impressions of um, depending on you know, the, the power of that, we feel uh, fear, aversion, joy, love, uh, excitement. You know, it's, it's the energy that goes behind these effects of pleasure and pain. Mm-hmm. You get a particular impression that's pleasing, and as a result of that, one, you, know, you feel the heart swell and open up. We might call that joy, or it might be love, or something of that nature impression that feels painful, emotionally painful. And you, so we fear, we like a, a, a trying to shrink away, or it can be anger, which is you know rushing out to meet it in a in a um, with ill will. Or you barricade, you push against it, or you can collapse fear against that which is painful. So you can actually feel how these mental forms arise from the particular language that, that the mind operates through, and it operates through pleasure and pain, the forms it creates are love and hate, and, you know, this is very crudely, you've got a whole palette of these. Mm. The embodied mind operates in terms of feeling pressure, um, feeling space, absence of pressure, feeling heat or absence of it, feeling solidity or absence of that, feeling um, connected or feeling disconnected, broken up. Mm. Operates in these, these terms. We, f- we can feel how yeah, the, the, you know, the arm and the fingers are all connected to the same thing in this there's a sort of flow between them, but the, the 
you know, the um, arm and the bell are not connected. There's a space there. So you get simply simple way of knowing things that, that the body knows. It doesn't naturally, the body doesn't know um, right and wrong, good and bad, long and short, fair and foul, beautiful, ugly. These are the, what the thinking mind operates in those senses. We have an idea of what beautiful or ugly is, or uh, short, tall, long, short, long, fat, wide, whatever. And when you actually recognize these are all based on particular energies that uh, form, that know things, and respond. Some kind of effect and response system happening. We we are affected by something. There's a response. Uh, you know, so it's a way of recognizing the underlying uh, qualities of mind, whether it's right, wrong, pleasant, unpleasant, or pressure or space. Uh, so, when something's right, if you're right, now if you just feel what right feels like. It may feel strong, it may feel bright, it may feel uh, happy, it may feel um, steady, and then wrong. Wrong may feel shaky, it may feel um, disorganized, it may feel um, you know, dark, it may feel uh, you know, something of this nature. Mm. Why are we trying to feel things through the body is because you don't get the same series of reactions. For example, if you sense something is right, then right means more, um, you know, it's a tendency to, to have a kind of whole kind of emotional response to that. The attachment builds up to what's right. What's wrong? We respond to that and react to that. Say, so you are wrong. You were wrong, and then unpleasant feeling, and then there's fear, aversion, worry, regret, and all this um, reactivity is what loses, help, makes us lose connection. We lose the actual here and now present connection to what's going on because we, we've, moved, we've sidetracked often into reactions and commentaries on what's going on. Yeah. So there's a flurry of energy. Energy, instead of being with the breathing or with the body goes off into chasing its own tail. Uh, we had an experience and we thought it was wrong. It's a wrong experience. Shouldn't have had that. So there's, then what happens is we, we conjure up an experience of regret or doubt or fear, something of that nature, and then we spin out into that. So the, the emotional and the conceptual pattern uh, are commentaries on experience and they can take us away from the experience so much so that sometimes they're already there before you've had the experience <laughs> you know it's almost pre preloaded that you, you've got the feeling of well it's probably not going to be right you know, it's probably not going to be right. It should be something, and it probably isn't. That kind of you know, emotional basis. There should be something I'm having that I'm probably not got yet. So already, one is slightly out of skew. And then something happens, told you so. <laughs> but it only happened because you were out of, out of alignment in the first place. You know? So I think, sit here and think, well, I should be in samadhi, or I should be, you know, happy, or I should be this or that or the other. So already the should be is already there. And one isn't fully with the, the experience as it is. So already one is kind of moving away, you know, tangentially from the nature of experience. And uh, in that, things don't feel quite settled don't feel quite settled. So that doesn't feel right. That feels wrong. 
must be something I'm doing that's wrong here. Uh, so there's a little more worry gets in. So you go a little further out of alignment, and worry starts to take over. And then perhaps, well, perhaps I should try and try a bit to do something about it. I mean, it's a bit harder. So some sense of fear comes in, and then maybe uh, blame. I'll blame something, that's what I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> that generally works, you know. Or, or, you know, or various other forms of patterning arise. And then we may find ourselves back in a story of some kind. You know, this is me doing it wrong again, like I always did, and it's my fault, and so forth. You, we enter a piece of karma. So this is what the, you know, the, all the karmic archive is, uh, this built-up profile uh, which is all about um, coming out of alignment, not being present. In presence, there's no, there's no, we're not laying down karma. Things are just moving along by themselves. The laying down of karma is done through um, the heart, through the responses of the heart, and through the thoughts of the mind. And we imprint particular patterns. They, and they, they, have, they, they embed themselves. So, for example, just notice where you, you, you think something, you know, right? you think of a mistake you've made. Notice the effect of something one feels wasn't correct, a mistake. You know, you've lost your temper, you forgot something, you broke something. You know, you bring that to mind, you can actually feel a kind of a, an energetic contraction, a flurry. You were wrong. It shouldn't have happened. It's kind of happens, you know. And then maybe someone covers it up, like, well, everybody does that sometime, and it wasn't my fault, you know. After all, what are you supposed to do? I'm trying to be not perfect, you know. A little flurry of that stuff goes on. So, you know, that doesn't actually send you, put you back into a line, it just adds a little more. You know, busyness. Now we take one single example like that and recognize that that kind of experience has probably happened many thousands of times. Either you, you know, you said you're wrong or somebody else has said you're wrong. Or giving that impression. So, she has got used to being in that particular state of defended, um, covering up, um, slight anxiety on edge. And so we counteract that by giving ourselves things that take, a, take us away from the edge. You know, something that sense, sense input generally floods the whole thing so we feel okay again. Watch some TV, go to a movie, whatever. And all this is actually further material, not actually coming to alignment. And when we come into presence, then there's often this uh, um, a sense of the, the density and the weight that's carried. This may not even be something that's uh, with thinking or, or uh, uh, an immediate emotion. Some of it gets embodied. That is the the all that energetic tangle uh, has a bodily effect. So the bodily effect is one of some uh, density, some tightness, and perhaps some numbness. Bits you don't feel anymore. The quality of vitality that's not present anymore. When you compare your, 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 your state with, say, something like a, a, a child, a young child or, or an animal, you feel how the vitality they have, you know, the kind of freshness they have. And we're a lot more guarded and withdrawn and patchy in our, in our vitalities. Cautious about it, mm. or trying to produce the right one. So we don't get more of that feeling of something wrong that, that adds its 
flurries and tensions to our system. So it was a tremendous wish to really get it right. And what would that be? As you all know, meditation is perhaps the, the big uh, testing point for right and wrong, success and failure. <laughs> it's the place where those energies meet their Waterloo. You either <laughs> get past them or you give up <laughs> meditating. <laughs> it's great to get past them, though. Yeah. Just to not be defining experience in that way. And uh, the, the shortcut that we probably will find ourselves coming to eventually, sooner or later, but the shortcut is just to sense these things in the body. You know, the, the release, the tightness, the, the openness, the vitality, the flurries that come up, perhaps when particular pieces of... Um, Oh, disappointment, regret, sort of come alive and you feel there's something bursting or moving through the system. Stories come up, don't they? Sometimes verbalized and sometimes just images or senses, impressions, moods. And the practice is to feel these in the bodily sense strong inclination to either experience them purely in the emotional language, you know, like rage, fear, grief, worry, joy, nostalgia, so forth, or in the conceptual sense, you know, right, wrong, good, bad, no mindfulness, um, confused, judgments. and these, ha- these, yeah, that's one way of describing it all. But for release, you want to go to the place where it actually knows release, you know, can experience release, you know, which is not right or isn't a right release and wrong. Not right or wrong release is just ah, release. <laughs> it's not. It's not. You know, you, we could call it right, but actually, it doesn't operate that way. As you recognize, sometimes being wrong, uh, doing, having something, doing something wrong, being wrong, and being honest about it, that was wrong. Okay, that was a real mistake. Ah, and you feel release because there isn't the reactions to it, there isn't the clinging to it, there isn't the protection of it, there isn't the addition to it. So it's all right to be wrong um, if, you, if you know how to handle it. Yeah as an an energy, and how to release the energy. This is what the skill of of, um, embodiment, because then every piece of these uh, stories, piece of past karma, piece of habit, that arises is grist for the mill. It's something you can sense embodied. It's, a, it's the, it's the, the uh, practice. Can you sense that experience? Perhaps you feel it more in your abdomen or your heart or your head or as a pressure or as a fire, uh, as a sinking, as a whirling. Okay, now, before we start right, wrong, good, bad, stop this, don't make this happen, um, Breathing in, breathing out, and expanding awareness over that into the body. Expanding awareness means you you sense the energy of that, the tension or the flurry or the sinking or the pressure of it. And then you sense that and you widen or broaden your awareness till you find uh, a place where that diminishes or is, is absent. So, for example, you might feel something that's quite tight. Expand your awareness till you find, oh, there's there's the sense of openness or space. 
and it allows the energy of that to be released. That movement awareness can, of course, be um, assisted by suggestion, like um, forgiveness, for example, or patience or kindness, you know, suggestions such as that. Um, So however you make that adjustment, that expansion of awareness, it can be, well, let's just step back from this a little bit. You know, so in a way, you, you, you're not focusing right in to the center, you're just kind of stepping back, seeing it in perspective. It can be something that occurs through um, so reflection sometimes helps you do that, just to recollect, bring it up, remember it, consider it, put it away. So you're getting some sense of ability to handle an experience. And that all helps your, 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 your ability for awareness to move, uh, uh, not exactly apart from that, but, but independent of the compulsions of that. So the compulsions of a thought or a feeling are to get sucked in, react, tighten up, sink, lose it. You know? lose, lose your presence in that. You just become that mood, that feeling. And you're into the tension or the spin or the sink or the whirl of it. You know, that's, that's the default. That's what, so you go in and then it, you're in it. And it's throwing you around till it's had enough and it chucks you out and something else comes in. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the default of clinging. Clinging is not something that we necessarily do. It's something that happens. When the system doesn't have enough awareness, it clings. Mm. uh, the process of awareness is to can you find, first of all best not to go into too many things just find a firm basis where you just firm up and understand and get a sense of how awareness is both in a as a perhaps um, an emotional state calm, steady, relaxed alert and perhaps as a bodily state, I feel strong, I feel present, I feel everything is here, I feel alive, you know. Uh, there's no, nothing particularly shoving me around, I'm not in a hurry, I'm not buzzing, I'm steady. You know? So you've got an embodied sense. And, okay. and then you'll f- probably find within that, as you cultivate from time to time, these particular unaddressed dhammas arise. And then your practice is to be able to not react to that, but to discharge that past karma. So it, it no longer has the power over you. It doesn't, it doesn't have the power to suck you in. You may still, it may still come up, but it gets less and less adhesive. You know, it becomes kind of weaker, less technicolored, less dyna- dynamic in it. And one way of enhancing our, our vantage point in embodiment is to, is to develop an understanding of body or an awareness of body which is in the body's own language. So normally we might be aware of our body in our thinking mind's language, such as two arms, you know, it's the right number. Um, back in the middle, head on top, that's where it's supposed to be, good. Two eyes, one on each side of the nose, you've got the kit, that's it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it sits like this and it looks like that. Oh, you might have it in, in a, the, the feeling sense of, of um, you know, feel slightly um, painful or pleasant. You know? So some parts seem to swell with, or be dominantly painful or or more neutral. But in, in the embodied sense, the body is experienced elementally. And these are the four, sometimes the five elements. Depends how many you know, places you want to, how many divisions you want to make. But the bodily impression is essentially um, 
there's two kinds of pressure. One is static pressure. There's pressure that doesn't go anywhere. We call it weight, or mass, or earth element. It's the sense of density. A pressure that you experience isn't moving. So that can be very, when it's, when it's balancing, we're very stabilizing. So when you sit, maybe you feel the bone structure or the sitting on the mat. Now that sense of you know, pressure that makes you feel steady, earth element. If it gets too strong, it becomes rigid. Yeah? So then instead of being a pleasing earth, it becomes rigid, it becomes rock-like. You know? So then you get stiff. That means the earth element is out of balance. And the, yeah, so then also there is the pressure that's moving, a pushing kind of pressure. This is the air element, and you experience it obviously when you breathe in. You know, pleasant pressure, chest expanding, pleasant pressure. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've got gas in your belly and it feels like an unpleasant pressure. Yeah. So th- this doesn't just mean air itself, you know, whatever that is, because you the idea, isn't it? Air, oxygen. But the body's experience is one of a pressure that moves. And in this sense, there's much more than just this uh, respiratory experience happening. The Buddha describes the air element as that which moves through the limbs. It's pressure passing through the limbs of the body, which the air element, the air doesn't do. But you can experience pressures moving through the, the joints um, through the limbs, particularly when energy shifts and moves, you feel pressures moving through the body. There's also what's called the fire element, which is a connecting that adheres, it's adhesive connection, which means something jumps to something else. It's just like fire running through a brush or grassland, the fire leaps this to that, to this to that. It's a quick leaping kind of uh, sticking together. Uh, You might feel a fiery flash running through the body. Suddenly it darts. And it has heat and vitality associated with it. The particular vigor of that. It can uh, link up so you feel a pleasant flow of warmth. Mm. Or it can suddenly burst. You feel a lightning shock or charge. Absence of fire, things feel cold, damp, and, uh, and nothing means anything. Nothing connects. The other kind of uh, sticking together is called the water element, which is about not adhesion, but cohesion, which means instead of something uh, doing a connection, things are in connection. So you may feel a flow of something that is already connected. So you might feel, for example, a flush of uh, flow down the arm into the hands, a sense of something that already is in connection. Obviously, when you, water is the, is the image of that. This is how the body experiences things. The other element is, uh, uh, bring to mind, is the space element, which means the absence of pressure, the absence of the others. So, vacuity, openness. Upon these experiences, if you're energetic experiences, um, all kinds of uh, emotions and uh, psychologies get established. In fact, quite a lot of the time we use these elements as metaphors to describe the experience. That guy really burns me up. You know, what happens? You see him and flash, 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 flash. Things start sparking away. Yeah, you feel all washed out. It means everything is just. It's, it's the water element is is too dominant. Uh, things are there's no there's no fire there's no sense of light or or vitality. We feel firmly grounded or we get rigid. An idea makes us rigid. We can get rigid about an idea. I mean, you feel yourself 
tightening up. Or you feel ungrounded. There's not enough earth. So ideas and moods touch into these fundamental energetic patterns. Because of the nature of these elements, um, then a certain attra- space is quite attractive. <laughs> you know, as the, just the absence of all this, uh, the space element. But this, uh, this connected space, which means is spaciousness about you know, what's going on, and this disconnected space, which is space meaning, I don't want to know, you know. I'm out of here, which is, the, which is just a, a, a space that acts not as a container of experience, but as a, an abandonment of experience. So it's important to recognize that the, the sense of space, the feeling of space, and the impetus towards space. You know, so because this is where it connects to things like non-attachment, as I was saying yesterday. When is non-attachment just the moving out of connection? out of knowing, out of being present, and into some vacuousness where things don't feel anymore. And when is it uh, uh, spaciousness that's able to, to hold an experience? Because then it's extremely valuable. Because when spaciousness holds an experience, it's able to moderate the intensity of an energy, intensity of element. You know, so spaciousness around rigidity means, ah, oh, you can just let some of that loosen a little. Got some room for it to loosen. And so as we cultivate, you can recognize particular thoughts or moods can carry these elemental properties. As I mentioned, rigidity mental state of rigidity. So just feeling the quality of rigidity in the body and is it possible to get some space around that to be because it's not a matter of right wrong. Right wrong don't touch it. They may put another layer on top of it. So now your rock is under a blanket. It looks soft. But essentially, it's still there. So you can get rigid about non-attachment, rigid about liberation, rigid about Buddhism, rigid about spaciousness. I demand my spaciousness. Give me space. (laughs) It's the same old rock again. But then, so in a way, we we have to own energetically some of these uh, clinging rather than conceive it, describe it, react to it. We just think it, think it, where you can justify it or blame it or define it or I'm always like this or naturally it's supposed to be, you know, all this stuff goes on. Or emotionally react to it when you feel ashamed of it or... Um, defensive about it, which doesn't, is a sidetrack really. We all know it's not, it's, you know, in theory, this is what should be happening. (laughs) But, you know, uh, conviction in Buddhism starts on the top of the head and gradually makes its way down. Sooner or later it finds a place where it doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't go any further. (laughs) You know, yeah, yeah, I'm Buddhist, top of my head, my eyes, and then it gets less and less Buddhist as you go down. <laughs> and some, somewhere, you know, in the bottom of the chest, the heart, depends how low you want to go, but somewhere in the bottom of the, the, the guts, there's a bit that definitely is not about letting go. It's about... <laughs> So, to, we don't have to 
you know, so you're trying to own that energetically as the as the tightening or the uh, flurrying, the flustering, the pressure, so the rushing of air, the flutteriness around that. And then breathing in, breathing out, is this home base rhythm. Breathing in, breathing out through that. And the feeling with the breathing in, breathing out, you're bringing in, first of all, you're bringing some new alignment. And that alignment, the breathing is, is the sense of space, spaciousness. It's not, it's not in a hurry, it's, um, it's a relief from pressure. It's not being spun or moved. It's got the flow. It's, it's got a healthy water sign in it, breathing. It flows, it, it connects, it's cohesive. It's got a healthy fire sign in it, and it's bright and vital. Vitality in that. And it's got an earthed, grounded quality. And every time you get to the end of your breath, there's the earth. Here we are, breathing out. Earth, earth. Breathing in, steady earth. And you feel that. So you're actually, with the breath, you're, you're introducing the elements in their health and their true alignment. And it's like then the system can come out of its imbalances because it's got something to, to um, tune into. Can you live like a breath? Yeah. Can you be with yourself the way that the breath is? Moving through. Mm. Not clinging, not abandoning. And sometimes the imbalances will certainly affect the whole breathing process. So you feel quite tight in the chest or there's stiffness in the abdomen. Yeah. So, but then breathing is much more than just the movement of air or flesh. It's also the sense of the energy. And so we can begin to help the physical breath by remembering and tuning into the energetic breath. So, so for example, in breathing out, just giving up the sense of releasing, letting go. So, leading, you're bringing that suggestion into your mind. Softening, releasing, letting go. You don't, you don't have to push through anything. You just bring that suggestion in and keep tuning into that suggestion, letting your body feel the meaning of that and seeing if it wants to feel safe enough to just relax a little bit. It's often the tensions are there to defend, you know, to, to hold things back. And so this isn't a, this isn't a process of just letting everything rip and, and uh, you know, um, letting everything fly loose, but of carefully allowing release and a little bit at a time some of the um, blocked things begin, can begin to, to re- relax, release themselves. So breathing, breathing through the air, breathing through the energy, breathing with the mind, breathing with the heart. So as the, because this, the thinking mind and the emotion and the body are all connected at an energetic level, even the full suggestions from the thinking mind help breathing. So even you, you just kind of think you're breathing in a, in a careful way, like what would it be like to just really breathe out now? Yeah. And you 
kind of bring that suggestion to the mind. What would it be like to just be able to release right now, just for a moment? And it's a, it's a kind of invitation for energies to, to hear and to relax. What would it be like if it was completely safe? What would it be like if this was actually, uh, there was nourishment? You know, when you breathed in, it was food. It was something you really was going to fill you up. What would that be like? And you find, oh, you know, the in-breath becomes a little larger or fuller. And you don't realize that actually before you weren't breathing in. You're only breathing in a little bit. Because there was something about you that needed to be small and not take a lot. When you're breathing, you swell up, don't you? So sometimes that's not so okay. So you kind of breathe in a little bit, you know, keep your vitality down, so not be noticed and quiet, you know, not be greedy or demanding, you know, be soft, quiet, not noticed, intrude, bother anybody. Actually, nobody else minds. <laughs> you know. You're carrying a piece of history, so then it becomes so a habit that the body doesn't remember. Uh, so suggestions, you know, you take as much as you like, be as big as you like, be as full as you wish, let it be as big, as full, as long, take your time, as much as you want. You know, it's all for you, plenty of space here, so breathing in. Breathing out, what would it be like if you just really let it go? Mm-hmm. Empty it out, let it you know, relax it. And so the suggestions like that can be very skillful in, in establishing a healthy breath pattern. So we can work from the thinking mind or the emotional mind or the embodied mind, and use them to support and help each other, rather than as separate systems that clash, react, or mask each other. This talk was given by Ajahn Susito at Insight Meditation Society on April 25, 2005. It is an offering of the Dharma Seed Audio.